0: You do have the power to change your circumstance right and so if you don't like it change it you know you, it, it gives you so much power instead of just feeling like the world is out to get me and this and this and this are just happening to me like no these things are happening for you and these things are happening because of your choices so you do you have that power so i i do think it's instead of feeling like it's a a guilt trip of like oh well i make bad decisions or whatever see it as power see it as as a reason to to be able to to change where you are welcome to the horsewoman project a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman from relationships to truck issues taking care of your nutrition and fitness and of course horses hello good morning how are you today i'm so good i'm having a good week (laughs) good (laughs) cute goat babies and kevin's letting me catch him without running away oh kevin i know kevin's so cute
1: we do need an update on kevin
0: yeah so last time we talked about kevin um we were working on just letting him approaching approach us right um so we would just sit in his stall and he would come up and like sniff our legs and our boots and and we could give him treats and but then he was not so sure about being caught so one thing that i came to realize was my initial plan was to let him get comfortable with us to the point where we never had to approach him that he would just come and get that much more friendly right but as I realized his history of being caught, I realized I needed to change the dynamic of that a little bit. Um, because you could definitely tell that like anytime you would start to approach him, he would like run away and then try and like stick his nose in a corner.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so he was like, turn away and shut down, right? Like, And and um, so I decided that I wanted to teach him that I wasn't just going to pin him down, that I was still going to catch him but that I wasn't going to pin him down. So what I did is I took a uh, lunge whip and just that didn't have, it doesn't have a whip on it. So it's just a stick. um, Hmm. And I would touch it on the top of his back. And at first he ran around in circles in his little stall. So it's just a little 12 by 25 pen. And um, so he was just running around and I just kept like a, chill energy like I wasn't chasing him with it all I was doing was just it was long enough I could just leave it sitting on the top of his back and just kind of walk around with him and as he was feeling the need to run around and um and so it took maybe 15 minutes before he would not only just stand still but stand still and like breathe a little bit right because he would stand still but he would be like, if I stand still, you'll take it away. And he was still hating it, right? So then I was making sure that I would release it when he started to feel just a little bit better about it. And um, so we did that for several days in a row. And um, and and then I started getting to where, as I had the stick touching him, once he would whoo, take that breath and relax, then I would, like, slowly inch up the stick and just walk towards him just calmly and not sneaking, right? And And then I would pet him. And then I would walk away. And so it was just a lot of like, I'm going to catch you. And then I'm just going to either give you a treat or I'm just going to walk away. And and so it was just mostly trying to change that dynamic of what catching meant, right? Uh, because in the past, it seems like catching meant he had to be pinned in a corner and stand perfectly still and shut down and until <laughs> till he had to tolerate everything, right? And uh, it's been so fun because now... Um, I can go in his stall and he walks towards me now when I enter his stall instead of before when I would open the gate to his stall he would go to the other end and then once I sat down then he would start coming towards me but anytime like I said if I was coming into his space he was like run away and now I open the gate and he's like hello Camry <laughs> he starts walking up to me <laughs> and and uh, he's still very tentative, so when I approach him, I have to make sure I'm facing away from him so that I'm not, you know, my my energy isn't directed right at him. So I either face kind of like behind him or in front of him and kind of back up towards him a little bit. Um, and he will now allow me to approach him without having to use the the stick as like an extension of myself. Um, so I can come up to him and pet his shoulder and pet his forehead, and and he will allow me to do that without turning and walking away. Um, So now when I approach him, he'll turn and face me instead of turning his butt to me. So it's been really fun teaching him that the catching isn't, isn't such a bad thing. (laughs) Cause I think he would be perfectly content for the rest of his life to just approach, sniff me and then walk away. Like I, I kind of was getting Mm. the idea that anytime I was going to do any kind of approaching, he was going to Be like, nope. (laughs) So I was like, I kind of need to do something to to shape this Mm -hmm. a little bit differently. So that's kind of how our approach with him changed a little bit. But it's been so fun, and he's he's so funny because he definitely has learned to tolerate a ton of things. Because he he allows me to put the halter on now again without turning away. So once I pet him on the shoulder, I can now start putting the halter on, and so we'll lead him around and. And, uh, and he, he picks up his feet great and he, he stands to be curried and brushed and, and all those things. And he leads pretty well. Um, occasionally if he's nervous, he'll hang back at the, the back of the lead rope, especially if Thea's leading him. He's not so sure what to think about Thea. <laughs> she has a little too much high energy for him. He's like, wait a minute. His child is really rambunctious. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, he's so good with all, all of that. Um, and But I do think a lot of it is tolerance, not so much friendliness. He's just kind of accepted that's his law in life. (laughs) So we just do a lot of just light brushing and things that feel good to him and then scratching him where he's itchy and things because it's shedding season. So they all get itchy and and then uh, I'll just go hand graze him and then put him away. So every time he gets caught, it's not to go do something and do work. It's just to go hang out together. So hopefully his dynamic of catching is changing a little bit.
1: <laughs> I love that. Well, for those of you guys who do not know who Kevin is, Kevin is a mini mule that Camry got, what, like two weeks ago?
0: Yeah. Yeah. About two, two weeks, weeks ago,
1: now. two or three weeks ago.
0: <laughs> and he's cute. <laughs> oh, he's adorable. Oh, and we measured him and he is a little bit bigger than I thought. He is 35 inches. Huge. So, he's so big. <laughs> ginormous ginormous at the wither yeah he is 35 inches
1: so so how are you going to start transitioning him into okay you do have to do a little bit of work now
0: um I think just once he gets a lot more familiar with being caught because I really think if we start introducing work too soon he's going to be like nope I don't want to be caught anymore Um, But it's, so the, (laughs) I'm trying to remember who explained it to me this way, but um, if you think of when you first meet someone, when you first make a new friend, your friend doesn't immediately say, hey, can I borrow 20 bucks? Hey, I need a loan. Hey, can I borrow your car? You know, those things come once you build the relationship. And so if you immediately do that with a friend before building the relationship, that friend's not going to want to hang out with you. Right. Because they're like, you just always need something from me. Um, But then, you know, you know, me and you, once we got to know each other now we can ask favors or ask each other to help each other out with something. And, and, um, and it's not such a big deal and we're happy to do it because we trust the person. We have a good relationship with the person. And I think it's the same way with horses where they do need a little bit of that relationship first to, to want you to come and catch them. <laughs> so I think once we can catch him when we come in his stall and we can just walk right up to him or he just comes right up to us and he can dip his nose in the halter and be caught, then it's going to be like, oh, okay. Now we can start doing work. Um, and I think we can introduce quote unquote work with things like familiarizing because that can be a really fun experience for a horse if you do it properly, but it is still quote unquote work you know you're still working on something and getting them comfortable with things Um, but if you do it within threshold and and really help build the horse's confidence then you can do work that's still enjoyable for you and enjoyable for the horse um so yeah we'll be starting on that kind of stuff soon of that i guess most people would call it desensitizing right (laughs) of teaching him that uh motion and movement is not scary because that's what tends to make Kevin a little bit nervous is if I, you know, I move or I, like I said, Thea's energy, her excitement levels and how she runs around and he's kind of like, wait a minute. (laughs) So just teaching him that all that movement and flags and different things doesn't have to be scary. It's just movement. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of things will be the first work that we do with him. So. Well,
1: I like it. And yeah. just teaching them, it's was like, it's all a game. It's all fun.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Make it a game. Make it fun so that it's mm-hmm. not work. You know, it's fun. It's play. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, it is interesting to just to think about like how often do you catch your horse for just fun, you know, like into just not to ask anything of them, but to just be with them, you know, like I've, I've been thinking about that a little bit lately where i'm like every time i catch my horse am i am i expecting something really heavy of her or are there some periods of just like no i'm just gonna catch you and we're just gonna sit here and it's not a big deal you know um because we all are in the pursuit i feel like most of the people listening probably will be in the pursuit of trying to connect with their horse and trying to make sure that they have that loving connection and i think that's a, a big piece of it is okay when you catch your horse or when you're spending time with your horse are you only spending time with your horse when you expect something from them? Like you expect them to ride or you, you expect them to lunge or you expect them to do something. And how often are you catching your horse just to say hello and to maybe just brush them and literally do nothing else. And, or like you said, like hand grazing or something. Um, I've noticed I've started giving, um, Sandy some, some supplements and treats and she, loves it um but to do it because she is so dominant over my other horses I'll, I'll catch her and tie her up with the food and then, um, Comanche just gets to eat his not tied up because he's not going to bug her. (laughs) Um, but it's been interesting just because now the halter doesn't always mean that, oh, she mom's going to catch me and I have to go do something. It it now means, oh, well, am I getting a treat or are we going to go do something or, you know, and she's been extremely easy to catch. She just walks up to me now with a halter instead of like, normally what, if I came in with a halter, she would do a little bit of a circle around me just to let me know, like, I really am not wanting to do this, but then she'd stop and let me go catch her. Um, And now it's just no issue. She just comes right up to me. She's like, yeah, I'll, I'll put this on. No problem.
0: Yeah. And it it actually reminds me of this post I saw from a trainer that I really like on Facebook. His name is Lockie Phillips and he Posted this thing that I've always agreed with, you do need to spend time with your horse outside of training, you know, even if it is five or 10 minutes of hand grazing. But he had this idea in his post that I really liked that went along that same theme, which was that especially for a horse that has been in long term training, um, where, you know, he is just like I am a professional trainer. And so you are paid to train these horses. And so there's a lot more pressure of like every time you handle that horse, you'd need to be doing something right but he had said in his post that it's really good for these horses in long-term training to saddle them up like get them all ready for a ride swing your leg over sit in the saddle swing your leg off and take the saddle off and that's your session and I was like I love that idea like that just resonated with me a lot because like that's it just teaches your horse that we are not always going to do something challenging or difficult and you know some horses do thrive on that Lola loves a challenge like Larry's horse Lola my husband's horse and so she loves it she's she is so much his personality type it's not even funny because he is the same way Larry he has a hard time relaxing he always feels the need to go and do and and all these things and and Lola is that same way so she does thrive on that much more but Freya does need just downtime with me and I tell you what when she was pregnant this year it was one of the best things for her and I's relationship because every time I went in there once once she hit about five and a half or six months pregnant I stopped riding her and then after that point for the next six months it was just anytime I went in her stall it was to sit and hang out and see if I could feel the baby move and just groom her and spend time with her in that way and man that repaired a lot of stuff between me and her I tell you what just spending time with her because she was one that I felt a lot of pressure with to do a lot of things really early on with her and uh, and I definitely noticed that I had some repair work to do and it does it makes a big difference for horses when you take some time to just be just hang out with them (laughs) No, it really does. And trying to find things
1: that they enjoy as well, I feel like is important. I had a conversation with somebody a little while ago um, where I was talking about Sandy and I'm like, I really do feel like endurance is the right aspect right now because she enjoys the conditioning. I enjoy the conditioning. We'll see how it is when we actually get to our first ride. Right. But um, I, I was, I was stressing about wanting her to, be in good enough shape that even with the high stress of going to an actual ride that she just enjoys it like who cares when we come in I just I just want her to enjoy the experience as much as I hope that I will enjoy the experience and this person was like well it doesn't matter like why does it matter if she enjoys it like does it really matter if your horse likes it or not I'm like actually yeah it, it matters a lot to me if my horse likes it or not because I mean, I don't, I don't want to force her to do something that, that she hates because then it's going to become a fight and then we're both going to resent each other. And, and I like my horse. like I want her to, to enjoy it. Um, but I know there's a lot of horses out there that because of their breed or because of what program they're in, it is like, they have to do this. It doesn't matter if they enjoy it or not. And it, it is interesting. Um, to think about that from my perspective I do feel like my horses are privileged because I am like okay do you like this oh you don't okay we'll change directions <laughs> but not everybody has that luxury sometimes the horses do have a job and it's like you, you'd like you know especially ranch horses or something like that. Is like no you do have a job you you are here for a purpose but I think there's still a lot of things you can do to find what your horses enjoy even if it is hand grazing or grooming or just spending five minutes and being just present with them, um, I think can be
0: good. Yeah, well, and even from <laughs> a performance perspective, um, my paint horse Cody, that I he was my first horse, and uh, my husband would team rope on him, and he was willing. You know, he did the job. He went and and did everything Larry needed him to do, but he he just didn't love roping. He just didn't love working with cows very much, and. And but he like I said he was willing and he did the job and he wasn't grumpy about it or anything he didn't rear he didn't misbehave he didn't do anything like that but I tell you what the difference in him versus Lola and Lola loves cows like that she loves that job of of being a rope horse and and it makes a big difference Larry's able to rope a lot better on Lola simply because he doesn't have to try as hard to get her to do what he needs her to do she's like this is what you need me to do okay i'm gonna do it and she's just like her heart is just so in it she's so passionate about it you know if you can use the word passionate about a horse but (laughs) but yeah it it does make a difference performance wise to have a horse whose heart is just in it and they just are so happy to do what they're doing because they do put forth more effort and and they're better at what they do if they love what they do so. No, exactly it's the same for people right
1: yeah we put in a lot more work at a job that we love than we do at a job that we hate yeah and that's another discussion I've been having with some people lately is I am not the kind of person that's going to stay in a job that I do not feel fulfilled in, or don't feel like it fits my values and there's quite a few people um In my life right now where we've had the discussion of like how much they hate their jobs and they just every time they go to work it's just it's something that creates stress so like they can't sleep well at night because they're stressed about going to work because they hate their job and for me it's just I don't know I don't know I'm kind of weird though to Camry but I'm like you couldn't pay me enough to do some of these jobs like I don't even care if you offered me a million dollars if I didn't enjoy the job or love the job it's just not worth it to me. Um, just because I wouldn't be able to put my best foot forward. I wouldn't be able to give the person as much value as they're paying me either. And that has just never aligned with me. <laughs> um, but it's it's true with the horses, you know, too. And, and any animal, you know, whether it's a dog, a horse, or whatever you're asking them, if they enjoy it, they are going to put their best foot forward and give you that value back as well.
0: Yeah, to play a tiny bit of devil's advocate here, because <laughs> my husband is good at teaching me how to do that. <laughs> um, I do think there are going to be times in your life, depending on your circumstance, too, that you do have to do something to get a paycheck, that that paycheck, it does matter more than doing something that aligns with you. So like at certain times in my life, I've had to work at Pizza Hut or staples or you know places that i'm like really they're just a means to an end like it's just so that i can afford college you know and um and and then it like now i have the luxury of my husband has a darn good job so i'm able to slow down a little bit this year and take less horses but if larry wasn't making the money he's making I wouldn't have had that luxury, and I would have had to make sure that I had the X amount of dollars coming in. And so I think it just depends on your circumstance. And there are going to be times where you do have to do it just because it is a job and it is your job, and that is expected of you. And if not, then you won't be able to pay rent or you, you know, (laughs) and there's going to be times like that with horses too, where. They need to do the job. It doesn't mean that they can't find enjoyment in another aspect of their life, or you know that you can't have hobbies outside of your job, or things like that. Uh, but it does mean that you do need to get the job done, <laughs> and that is that is going to be expected. So, a little bit of devil's advocate there, the other side of that coin.
1: <laughs> no, but but it's very true because it's like you can't just quit everything and you know and not and not do anything, or at least most people can't. Um, Mm -hmm. excuse me. I'm trying not to clear my throat and I just did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think that that goes in like perfectly with what we wanted to talk about today, just being content with the life that you choose and just realizing every aspect of your life is a choice. It's like, you know, the periods that you chose to work at Staples, you chose to do that job. And if you're choosing actively to do something, how can you make it work for you both both in a practical sense but also an emotional and and health sense um there's a lot of people right now that I've been talking with that just like I said they're they're miserable you know they're they're miserable they hate their job nothing's going right and then they get home and they just brood about their job the rest of the day you know and and it's just a constant conversation and And I feel like in in those situations, it's like, like you said, can they just quit their job? No, like they, they do need the money. They do need that paycheck. They've got, they've got kids that they've got to take care of. They've got other things going on. It's not like it's practical for them to just be like, oh, I hate this job. I'm just going to quit. But there is a lot that you can do on the back end to be like, okay, let's, let's make it. So this job isn't the end all be all. And the thing that's taking over your life, What, what can you do Outside of your job, so you can focus on something else, and there and it's not, not that ever looming thing, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I do feel like myself included. We we tend to complain a little bit about our jobs or our circumstance, right? Um, which I do think, you know, sometimes you do have to to vent a few things that maybe you're frustrated about and that can be healthy. But I also think that many of the things we complain about are the things that we have created, right? They're the things that we chose. Um, so I think it can be good to get a fresh perspective of, I chose this you know, this is, this is something I chose. Um, whether it be by necessity of needing a paycheck or of, of a decision you made a year or two years or five years previous that led up to this, you know, your decisions lead you to where you are. So if you find yourself complaining about your current circumstance, I think it can be good to kind of take that step back and say, okay, why am I here? What decisions led to this? If I don't like this, what can I do to change it? You know, just taking that ownership of I am the only reason I am. I am here right now. Right. Um, And I think it gives you a lot of power, too, of just you do have the power to change your circumstance. Right. And so if you don't like it, change it. You know, it, it gives you so much power instead of just feeling like, the world is out to get me and this and this and this are just happening to me. Like, no, these things are happening for you and these things are happening because of your choices. So yeah, you, you have that power. So I I do think it's instead of feeling like it's a a guilt trip of like, Oh, well I make bad decisions or whatever, see it as power, see it as, as a reason to, to be able to, to change where you are. So no.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's definitely why we wanted to talk about this today is how to give yourself more power because we can get stuck in that loop. It's so easy to be like, well, I have to do this and I have to do that. And well, I don't have a choice because, you know, because of all of these other factors, but you do, you always have a choice. No matter what, you always have a choice. You could not show up for work. You could not get that paycheck you could suffer the consequences of, of those things. You could choose that. Um, but always saying to yourself, like, Oh, I have to do this, or I have to do that, or, or whatever, I feel like puts you in a position, um, of like being in a rock and a hard place, you know, where you feel stuck. You you feel like you can't go anywhere, but just by changing the language and just by acknowledging and, and taking that ownership, like you said, of, no, this, this is what I chose. This is, this is the path I'm taking and do I want to change it? Cause I think asking yourself that is important as well. If you hate your job and it's something that like, you know, your spouse is, is about had it with all of the complaining that you're doing about your job. It's, it's you know, maybe ask yourself, do I need to change this and can I change it? And if not, then how can I choose to have a better perspective? Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, gosh, a couple of days ago, about it about a situation, and she was feeling really frustrated with her job, and just it's been a, it's been a constant conversation. Just she's very frustrated with her job, and it and it's overtaking everything, and and her job was was the was the problem for everything that she was coming up with, and just being able to ask her like, okay, is the job really the thing that's causing all the issues, or Is it the thing that you are blaming for all the issues and because you're blaming it, (laughs) you are, you're giving yourself permission to, to have all of these bad things happen. Right. When we, when we blame something for our problems, it's, it's us saying, Oh, well, my problems aren't my fault. It's this thing's fault. And you know, then you don't have to fix anything. Then you don't have to change anything. Then you don't have to question yourself but by doing that, you also put yourself in a rock and a hard place where you are stuck. You can't move forward from that. Things are going to happen badly because that's, that's the position you put yourself in. So <clears throat> taking a step back and asking yourself, okay, like, can I really not do anything about this? You know, and there are times like, like with this friend in particular, she can't just up and quit her job. Like, that's just not an option, right? Like, she just can't do that right now. But that doesn't mean she can't in the future. That doesn't mean she can't also, while she's working, be looking for maybe another position. That doesn't mean she can't do the things that she needs to do, set the boundaries she needs to set, so she is actually done at the end of the day and can focus on other things, right? There's there's so many other options that you can go down. It's just a matter of taking ownership of the situation yourself and asking yourself those questions.
0: Yeah. So I will share a an example from my life and you were there for this one Michaela so you can kind of uh, speak to this too with me. Um I was having a really stressful time so I was in my fat loss phase when I was working with Michaela. So I was, you know, low on calories which adds to stress and things and it was early on while working with you, so I still was learning some skills and figuring out different things. And anyway, but at one point, my husband went on a business thing for a couple of days. And at the same time, my father in law, who lives next door, also went on some kind of trip of some sort. So I was left alone at home with the kids, which is fine. Like I've been at home before, but I think it was mostly just me kind of like we were talking about wanting to blame my circumstance. And I remember complaining to Michaela and just being like, I have to take care of the four goats and, or not four. We just had four baby goats, two goats. I have to take care of my two goats and I have to take care of all my chickens and all my bunnies and all my everything and, and 13 horses. And, and I have to do all of this all by myself and get all my kids to their dance and wrestling and all these things. And I'm like, it's just so much. And why is it that like they both left at the same time so that I have to take care of everything all by myself. And so I was just really wanting to blame my circumstance. Right. And, and, and be frustrated and vent. And, and it was just really powerful to me when you came to me with this, you know, you could sell your animals tomorrow. Is that what you want to (laughs) do? And I was like, No, (laughs) I'm not going to sell my animals, you know, but it it brought to the surface this idea of of ownership, right, of this is my choice. I chose to have all these animals. And even if we didn't have my father-in-law living next door, and even if I had to do all of these things every day, like say Larry worked and he was a trucker or something and he was gone for days at a time all the time. I would still choose the animals. And that gave me so much power knowing that, yeah, this is my choice and this is what I want. And I don't want to sell my animals. And it definitely did take a little bit of (laughs) shifting through those, (laughs) those emotions because I definitely was like, well, no, but can't I just be bitter about it? Like, ah!" (laughs) right. Um, and, And so it was, there was definitely that there of, of needing to shift a little bit of a mindset there. And we have talked about this, I think in previous episodes of kind of finding this neutral where I was not upset about the animals anymore, but I wasn't quite ready to be like, yes, I love all my animals. I was like, I'm just going to be neutral. (laughs) Um, Before I could get to feeling happy about it, but it, it definitely gives you a lot of power. You know, it, it, that ownership, man, it, it gives you what you need to make the right choices to move forward the way that you want your life to go forward. Um, Because like you said, you could just be stuck. If you're just going to sit and complain and complain and not do anything about it, you're going to stay stuck in that circumstance that you're complaining about. Whereas if you do take that ownership and that responsibility to make choices moving forward, you can change anything about your life that you want. So, just my little experience there so that uh, our listeners know that we go through all the same stuff that <laughs> that we're talking about, not just our clients. It, it happens to us too.
1: <laughs> oh, hundred percent. The only way we can lead our clients through it is because we've been through it or because we are going through it. There's, yeah. there's no way we could lead anybody through anything we haven't been through, right? Well, and I love that because I, I, I do remember that conversation. And there is that fine line with friendship of, yeah, like getting to vent, but at the same time, what's the purpose of venting? Right. And, and sometimes, yeah, we just need to get it off our chest and it's like, okay, I'm fine now. I just needed to just get it off, but here's my next steps forward. But when you're venting with no purpose in mind, with no, Hey, like here's, here's the silver lining. That's when it's like, Hey, maybe you need to quick like check there right so it's like in that situation it was just it 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 was it was that where it was like oh like is there really a purpose to this you know like let's let's put this in perspective for just a second here right and really because of that situation it's it was something that I had learned oh gosh just the last couple of years right um where I'd spent a couple of years just feeling like, well, this is, this is life. Like nothing was turning out the way that I wanted it to. Everything was going wrong. And it, and I did get stuck in the loop of, of things are happening to me and I have no control over them. I was mad at all of the circumstances. I was mad at, at, at everything um, because I felt like things were being being done to me versus me having a say or a choice. And I'm trying to decide how personal I want to get here <laughs> as I'm thinking about some of these situations. But um, we've talked a little bit about mixed faith marriage um before. And man, when we first were, were starting that journey, I was so mad you know, I was, I was mad at my husband. I was mad at God. I was mad at like pretty much everybody in the world and everything was being done to me. I was mad because God allowed me to marry this person who was now putting me in a mixed faith marriage position. And, and how could this ever actually work out? But, you know, gosh, I, like I said, I was stuck there for a long time, Camry, (laughs) but looking at it now, it's like, well, that's funny because I chose to marry my husband. No one forced me. There was not a, there was no gun to my head saying you have to marry this guy. I chose to marry him. I chose to stay in the marriage. I chose to like fight through it and make it work even though I in the back of my head I'm really angry at everybody and I <laughs> don't want to talk to anybody and, and everyone's doing things to me but at the end of the day I chose to stay. I chose I chose to make that decision and one when we first moved to idaho um our our whole journey in in getting up to move to idaho was really really hard and it was a lot of feeling forced to do things and feeling like i was out of control doing way too much and my body was shutting down and it just it was it was hard and it was And it was a time too, where in the midst of it, you couldn't have really told me, you know, the things that we're talking about now, because sometimes you just have to go through it for a minute and be able to find, to find the ground where you can have that check, check up. But it was, it was a really difficult situation. And then we get to Idaho and within just the first few months, we had to put down my horse, my vaulting horse that, oh gosh, it was, it was heartbreaking one of my dogs attacked, attacked one of our chickens and killed it. Our, our cat that we just loved got hit by a car the first time we let her outside. Like, you know, it was just all of this stuff. And I had gone to my coach and was just at the point of breaking, like I was, I'm, I'm done. Like all of these animals are dying on me. Like, what am I supposed to do? And he actually gave me the same, the same thing that I gave you Camry was, well, it seems to me like, you've chosen to have animals in your life. You can choose not to have animals in your life. Right. And I'm like, huh, you're right. (laughs) You know, like, like all of these animals, even though it's been a traumatic month or so where they have, where they have died and, and it was hard for me to handle. It was really powerful for me to look at that and be like, but, I would not change the fact, like like my horse. I would not change the fact that I had him, and that I got to see his growth and got to help him and and him help me in different situations. And I wouldn't change the fact that we had our cat because she was amazing and she taught me a lot about my husband, actually, (laughs) you know. And and that was awesome. And the chickens, I really like the eggs from the chickens. You know, like I I'm not going to just sell all my chickens because the eggs are good and and we go through a lot of eggs, but. That's been something that I've used quite a bit is checking up and going, okay, I am choosing this path. You know, like when, when things get hard with running my business, like, okay, but I'm choosing to run a business. I could, I could demolish my business today. I could, and I could go find a job doing something else really easily. So do I want to do that? You know, and be like realizing like, man, I've got that out, you know? And I don't know. I I would love to hear your opinions, Camry, but that's how I look at my relationships too. And I always grew up going, oh, well, you know, you get married, there's no out. Like you better stick with it no matter what's going on. And that's how I started my marriage with my husband was no, no out. Divorce is never an option. Like you'd have to die for us to be separated. Right. But then I did hit a point where it was like, but do I want to do this? Do I want to handle this? Do I want to deal with, with everything that's coming up right now? And because I had that mindset of, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in this. That's what really made me go through the loops of, oh, but it's being done to me. I have no choice because I can't divorce him because I'm stuck. You know, like that's just, can't do it. But then when I finally, when I finally said, you know what? actually, yeah, I I could leave. And actually I would do really well if I left, because here's what I could do, you know, like, and once I was able to really talk myself through that, it gave me so much power. And then all of a sudden I didn't resent my husband anymore because every day with my husband is a day that I choose to be with him. It's not a day that I'm forced to be with him. And you know what? And it's actually changed a lot of our dynamic when when we've had the conversations of hey look i love you i will do a lot for you i will sacrifice a lot for you but here are my boundaries if this happens if that happens if that happens i'm done like there's the door have a good life you know but which can sound kind of harsh like i i've talked to a couple of people about that sometimes and they they look at me like i'm i'm crazy like you can't give ultimatums but it's like you know what it's not necessarily an ultimatum it's like there's my boundary you know, and if you're willing to cross that boundary, that's just a sign that you don't really love me like you should. Right. And I I don't need to be with somebody who doesn't love me like that. And it's given me so much power because, again, I choose to be with them every day. I choose to be with my animals every day. I choose the circumstances that I'm in.
0: Yeah. Well, and like with that situation <clears throat> with you and your husband of setting those boundaries. Right. If we put it in more of an extreme context, I think it does make a little bit more sense. Okay, so if you're thinking of, say, your spouse beats you, which neither of us do, (laughs) neither of ours do, you guys. I'm just using this as a hypothetical. Okay, but you know, say, say there is a husband beating a wife, and that wife sets up a boundary of, if you hit me, I will leave this marriage. You, you can choose how you let people treat you, and if people treat you in a way that you are not okay with you have that choice to leave. So honestly, I feel like it's more of a choice for you
1: mm-hmm. than it is
0: them. Because when you say, you know, there's the door, it's actually going to be you saying, oh, you crossed that boundary. I'm out. So it's you making a choice for you, not so much you giving them an ultimatum, if that makes sense. So I think putting it in that context of, you know, if you, even if it's just yelling and screaming or, you know, certain behaviors in the house that you're like, I'm I'm not willing to tolerate that kind of behavior in a marriage, and, and you let them know that and they still continue to do so, then you have that option to leave, you know. So I think that's important to know that you get to choose not only what job you have, what what circumstances you put yourself in, but what behavior you will tolerate from your friends, from your family, from your spouse. And if you're not willing to tolerate it, you can communicate that and choose to leave or choose to stay. But that is your choice. You know, there always is a choice, whether you want to think so or not, because there definitely are times that you're like, well, I can't do that. I can't. And then, like you said, the more you think about it, you're like, well, you know what? I could do that. (laughs) Like, it would be really hard, but I could do that, you know? Um, And it's, yeah, it does create a lot less resentment, less just feeling out of control. Right, because I don't know if you listeners can tell if you've been listening to us for a while, but Michaela and I are both a little bit control freaks. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Hence why we are both entrepreneurs and like we like to have a lot of control in our lives and in what we do. (laughs) And so being able to find that control in the situations where we do feel stuck or we feel like things are happening to us, it gives us back that control of, no, I, I chose this. And I'm, I'm willing to put up with the bad things to get the good things that come from this choice that I made. Because in life, there's always going to be something bad that happens, right? There's always going to be something that's not ideal or something that uh, a con with your pro, right? And I think that's a good thing to remember as well. Because uh, I have several family members, friends, and myself that I've noticed this in which is we tend to make lists of the bad things in our life. Right. Kind of like I was saying in my story of it's this many animals and this many this and this and this and this. And and I make this list of, of all these things that are hard for me. Right. And, and we just make this running tab. Like we never drop anything off the list. The list always gets longer, but do we make a list of all the good things? Right, Because you could make just as long, if not longer, of a list of all the good things that happen in your life. And if you can't, then maybe that's a sign that something needs to change. (laughs) Um, But I think most people, there are good things that happen between the bad. And I do think that that can also give us more of a feeling of contentment in our life of being happy with what we chose is that there is good. It's not just bad, there's good with the bad and there's bad with the good. Um, and so I think if you can kind of reset that that list in your head and that thing happened, it's over with, and then the next thing can be a good thing. And then that's great. And you're in the moment instead of just keeping these these running lists of all the bad things. Because honestly, if I were to go through and list every bad thing that happened in my life, I would be an extremely depressed person. <laughs> I think most of us would, you know, life happens and, and hard things happen and and death of family members or, you know, all sorts of things, your house burns down. Like there's, there's a lot of things that happen in our lives that, that are not ideal and being able to move on from those and see the good things in between the bad things, I think can really help you just reset that so that you don't just always focus on, well, this happened next, and then the next bad thing, and the next, and the next, so.
1: Yeah, no, and kind of just going along with everything you said, um, when we make lists of all the bad things, I feel like it also affects the way that we look at other people, and our relationships with other people as well, um, because if we're making a list of all the bad things that are going on in our life, we're going to make a list of all the bad things that that person is doing too. I don't know if you've ever noticed that with yourself when I'm in that mindset of, ah, everything is going wrong. There's a lot to my list that I'm like, Eric, you should change all of these things, you know, (laughs) but in reality, does, does he need to No, he's actually really amazing and he's doing a lot of things and, and he treats me so well and he does everything great. But when I allow myself to get stuck in the mindset in other places, it always leads into my personal life and my, and my relationships. Um. So if you start noticing that, like with your relationships, I would maybe just ask yourself, okay, am I doing this somewhere else? It's, it's kind of going back to that conversation I had with, with my friend a couple of days ago about her job. It's like, it's like, yeah, You know, your job sucks, but also there's other things going on too. And so like, what, what is really the root, the root problem here? Is it the job? Is it, is it your house? Is it your husband? Is it this? Is it, is it really all of these things? And when it came down to it, it was, no, it was just, she, she had set expectations up for herself that she couldn't meet. That was the problem. And in all of those areas, she set expectations for herself that she couldn't meet. Nobody else set those expectations up for her. That was, that was her expectations. And I do that so much where it's like, I, I expect myself to get these done, like with my, with my business. I mean, I, I love my business. I love my clients. I love helping people. And sometimes because you are the business owner, it can be really easy to get stuck in, in the numbers game of, okay, but I need to make this, this much money to be able to sustain my business and to justify running my own business versus going and working at McDonald's. um, And that is something that I have felt this last probably month or so where I have kind of gotten a little bit caught up in that because we've had expenses come up that are super stressful. My husband's um, finals and stuff are starting up. So he's not able to work as much right now. We've had extra things just, just pop up. That's like, okay, can we even afford these? And, And I'm looking at my business going crap. Okay. I've got, you know, I, I need to, I need to hit these numbers, but whenever I get into that mindset, something always comes up to kick me in the butt, right? Like whether it's a difficult client who comes in and, and, doesn't do anything, but blames me for everything. Right. Or it's, I just can't get a new client or there's always something to add to that stress. But you know, it's always funny when I'm focused on the quality of my coaching and I'm focused on really making sure that I'm only taking people who really fit what I want to lead them through. It all works out you know and it, it all works out and that's something my husband is always quick to remind me of hey we'll make it work you know we we always do we always find a way we always make it work and and being able to just lean into that has been really helpful and to have a partner who also checks me and goes hey <laughs> we we we'll make this work <clears throat> and he sees the value in what I do as well which has been really helpful too um Did you have something to go along with that?
0: Yeah, I just, um, I really agree with that of being realistic in your expectations of yourself and your expectations of others, because I feel like there's so much that gets promoted on Facebook, on Instagram of, you know, make $100,000 in a year or in a month, even, and all of this, like, push, 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 Um, and even like this um, mentorship group that you're in, Michaela. where you said there are some people that are up at this like 90 K a month uh, business. And there's so much pressure to, Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, especially to build your business and get to that point. Um, But here's the thing, like they promote it to be this overnight, like in one month I can have you doing this and this reality is for most people, businesses grow slow. And honestly, you will be less burnt out. You will be a better human, whether that be, you know, be a better mom, a better dad, a better friend, if you learn to balance out the other things in your life and and be okay with slow growth and slow change, instead of feeling like you need to go from 10,000 a month or even 1,000 a month up to 90K a month, you know, like that's... That is not for everyone. And there are some people that can make things like that work. Um, but for me, for my situation, if I were to do that, my entire family would have to be on the back burner. Like I would, I would not be able to go to my kids' baseball games or my kids' wrestling tournaments or my daughter's dance recital. Like it would be, have to be work always, always, always. And that would always be top priority to get to that level. So just be realistic with yourself. Figure out if your goals are the same as social media's goals, right, of that, what's being promoted to you or the pressure that you feel from the outside world to do things a certain way. Make your own realistic goals and expectations and then just stick with what you know you can do. And if you're starting to feel burnt out or it's too much, change it. You know, and that's what I did last year is I got to where I was doing too many lessons, too many client horses, too much, just too much. And I was getting burnt out. And so that's why this year I spoke with my husband. I'm like, you know, I need to, I need to back off a little bit (laughs) for the quality of my program and the horses that I, that I turn out and and give back to clients, but also just for me as a mother and as a wife to be able to show up the way that I want to show up. So don't push yourself or others you know, or your spouses or anything too hard. Be realistic in how fast you can change. You know, just because you see somewhere that you want to be with your goal doesn't mean that's going to happen tomorrow. It might take three months. It might take six months. It might take a year to get there. And just reminding yourself of the the little wins in between of of how you are getting closer to your goal can help you again find that contentment and that that happiness in your day-to-day life of knowing that you are improving and you are getting closer to, to those goals. So,
1: yeah. Or it might take six years or seven yeah. oh,
0: you know, <laughs> <laughs> or more. <laughs> it can take
1: a long time. That is, you know, that rings true so much with conversations I have every single day with almost all of my clients is it is hard. It is hard not to get results like tomorrow, you know, and, and when you expect results like that, so when you when you go in and expect, "Oh well, I'm going to have my dream body, you know in the next three days and your dream body isn't there in the next three days, what do you do? You quit and then you'll you never get that dream body. you never get that dream job. you never get anything because you quit well before you were even close to that to that thing. but If you just keep putting one step in front of the other. And one thing I tell my clients is we're not here for perfection. We're here to just be 1% better every day, 1% better. So if that means like one of the struggles, one of my clients had this week is how am I supposed to get all of this protein in, or how am I supposed to get all of these fruits and veggies? It's like, okay, let's break it down with protein. Can you get five more grams tomorrow? Just five. That that's the equivalent of like what, uh, one chicken nugget, you know, (laughs) like, can you add one more chicken nugget into your meals tomorrow? Oh yeah, I can do that. Okay. Let's do that. Let's focus on that for a week. Right. And then there's, there's others where it's fruits and veggies are hard. It's like, okay, what's your favorite veggie? Oh, I love carrots. Okay, great. Let's get a cup of carrots in every day this week. Can you do that? Oh yeah, I could do that. Okay. Let's focus on that, you know, but all of the, those little pieces, when we build up like that, then pretty soon they blink. And guess what? They have what they came for. But they were so close to quitting after day three. You know, yeah. and if they would have quit at day three, would have been over. You know, but then, gosh, the ones who don't quit, the ones who do just make those little small changes, the little small steps, they're there before they know it. Yeah. I, I did a post- gosh, a couple of weeks ago, just about, you know, you'll never be mad at how long it takes you when you're there. You'll never be mad. I don't look back at how long it took me and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's taking me this long to build this body or it's taking me this long to have this many clients. No, I look at it and go, man, I've learned so much and I just can't believe I'm here still you know, every day it's just like, wow, like, I can't believe I'm actually here and I'm still going, you know, and I'm I'm still making, making forward movement. But when I was in the process of trying to get there, gosh, I wanted it to happen in, in a week, you know, and it was really frustrating when it wouldn't happen a week. But now that I'm here, it's like, you know, I don't care if this took me 10 years because it did. It took me 10 years, you know, of trial and error, of trying different things, of doing all sorts of different crazy stuff. Took me 10 years. Do I regret that 10 years? Absolutely not. Because those 10 years taught me a lot and it's made it so I can lead clients through each of those steps because gosh, I've been there, (laughs) right? If this had happened, if, if my journey happened overnight, I couldn't lead anybody through it. You know, you have, um, like you said, I'm part of a mentorship group, a business mentorship group, and there are some really high achievers in there. And there are some people who literally went from zero to they're making like almost a million dollars a year in the, in their coaching business. But one thing I've noticed with them is they are pretty lost. Like, cause they got all of this all at once and it, they're still learning. You know, they're still in that learning process of how do I manage clients even, right? How do I train clients? Wait, this client has this problem. What am I supposed to do? They haven't, because it happened so fast, they're not sure how to do the little managing process. So yeah, they've got all this money, but they have a whole lot of headache to go along with it because
0: of how quickly it came.
1: So put it into perspective. Sometimes it's not yeah. supposed to happen quick.
0: Yeah. There's so much learning in the process that if you skip that, it's, you know, you go, you, you go from having five clients to having 500 clients. You never learned how to handle 50 and you're here at 500. Yeah. And so there's going to be all of these management gaps and all of these different things that you're like, Whoa, like, how do I deal with this? And not that you can't handle that, but it's going to be a lot harder. Um, and honestly, your business might suffer because of it. Like your quality control of what's going on in your business because of your lack of management or just not knowing how to can create some clients that are going to be very unhappy because of something that was overlooked and things that didn't happen. So I do think that it's slow growth can be the best growth. I think the most lasting too, it's going to create so much more consistency, quality control, all those things. And to kind of put this in perspective with horses too, this is exactly how horse training should go. It should not be these one week long or three day long cult starting challenges where you can get this horse to do this in three days. Like, yes, that horse can do that. If you have a very, very skilled trainer, they can get that horse to do that in three days. But let me see that horse in, in a month or two months or three months. And tell me that their brain isn't like Whoa, blown up <laughs> um, because honestly, the best growth I have seen with my clients mm-hmm. and their horses is slow growth. It's when they build up these skills of, of learning to problem solve. Um, and it's, it was so rewarding to me. So this was probably about a month ago with one of my clients and um, I talk a lot with my clients about how to get their horse to prepare itself for what they want it to do, right? And so instead of just them making it and and saying, here, put your feet here, put your nose here, how do you get your horse to prepare their body and to to shape their body the way they need to, to be prepared for this maneuver? And uh, it was so fun because it was a teenage client and she was trying to get her horse to tuck its butt and, and dig a little bit going around a barrel. Okay. And so her thought process with that was, I'm going to say, whoa, when my horse comes to the barrel so that the horse will start to tuck its butt. Right. And then, and it did, it worked. It got the horse to start going around the barrel better. (laughs) and it just like it made me smile inside because i'm like she's thinking about how to prepare her horse and not just like how do i force its butt under there but like using a word that a horse would associate with with rounding its butt and now i did have to kind of backtrack with that a little bit and say (laughs) you can't you can't say whoa and not have your horse stop like whoa (laughs) needs to mean whoa but just the fact that like that's the way her brain was working as a teenager like, I was so impressed that she had this ability to try and problem solve on her own in between lesson times to be able to try and figure out how do I get my horse to prepare herself to go around this barrel better. And it was just so rewarding to, to see that thought process happen with her because that, I tell you what, will take her so far in life to be able to to do that, not only in her horsemanship, but in her life, you know, how do I, how do I get things prepared? How do I problem solve? How do I teach my horse to problem solve? Um, it's, it's so rewarding. And then, I mean, with this girl, she's been a client with me for over a year. Um, and just seeing her growth has been amazing and it wasn't overnight growth. Like there was one exercise, one, one exercise that we worked on for probably two to three months, when she first started with me, one (laughs) to get her horse to where the horse wasn't wanting to rear anymore and she wasn't gate sour. And so we just worked on destination addiction and that's all we did. So it was slow, right? And she's sitting here in the beginning thinking like, I want my horse to do barrels. I want my horse to do 4-H. I want my horse to do all these things and not rear. And because we took it slow and just dealt with that foundational problem of destination addiction, and took it slow then all of a sudden her horse is doing every single 4-h event she got her first time in under 18 seconds on barrels a year ago she was over 25 seconds and now she's down at 17 something and like just all this progress and it's it's just so fun so don't overlook the slow progress slow progress is the best progress i promise you (laughs) take the time it's so worth it (laughs) No, 100% it is and it is so easy to get stuck
1: in the but it has to be fast cuz that's what society is right now. Yeah. Society is about fast. It is about, "Oh my gosh, I'll get you to lose 30 pounds in 30 days." And it's like, "Great. After that what happens?" You know what 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 about after that? And same with like with that, you know, like that client. Yeah, it took 2-3 months to get over the destination addiction does she look back and regret those 2 to 3 months? No. Nope. Not yeah. at all. Cuz she is where she wants to be and you're going to learn 10 times more if you take a little bit longer to get there. Um and just remember that. And yeah, yeah, there was um a call I had with my mentors yesterday and it was it was fun to just be on the back end because it kind of reminds me of of our uh, motherhood panel we had a couple of weeks ago um but I was on this call and it was a bunch of a bunch of us women who are all trying to grow a business and and figuring everything out and there was a couple of brand new moms in there and they just you know we're we're struggling because it is a different beast when you are trying to grow a business and you just had a baby, you know, and now you're trying to figure out what the heck to do with this thing. And and you know, how, how do you even manage your time? And, and so I was just, just sitting and, and listening, but, um, the, my mentor, um, on the call, she had a baby a year ago, her first baby a year ago. And she made a really good point, um, to these ladies, that goes right along with what we've been talking about. But she said, you know, I didn't have a baby and then grew this. She's like, I had a multi-million dollar business, two multimillion dollar businesses. And then I had a baby. She's like, so the way that I've had to come about it is a lot different than the way that you guys are going to need to come about it. She's like, I came about it and went, well, I've got lots of employees. I've got whole teams of people. I've got lots, like hundreds and thousands of clients. I cannot just say, well, I had a baby. I'll see you guys in six months. You know, she's like, I can't do that because now there's people who don't, who don't get a paycheck. Now there's clients who don't get the service that, that I have told them I will provide. She's like, so I have had to make it work nine to five you know, every, every day she's like, I've got full-time care for my child. And she's like, that's how I have to make it work because I built what I have built. She's like with you guys, you guys need to decide, do you want to work full-time? Do you want to hire full child care or do you want to just work, you know, 10 hours a week? Do you want to work 20 hours a week? Do you want to work two hours a day? She's like, it's just, it's going to look different and you need to sit back and decide. How do you want it to look? And are you okay with that? And that I really appreciated because like I said, I get caught up, especially in this group because there's so many people that are like miles ahead of me. And I can get, it's really easy for me to get flustered. Um, Camry gets to hear a lot of my flustered of like, I just got off this call and literally everybody on this call has like. Probably 200 clients at once, you know, and I and I have just what 20. <laughs> so it's and to me, listening to their problems and the things that they bring up is so overwhelming to me. and I have to keep reminding myself I'm like they are dealing with 900k month problems. I'm nowhere near having to deal with that level of problems, but it's also been really good to put it into her perspective too and be like, do I want to deal with that level of problems? Do I, do I want to make enough that I get that level of problems because <laughs> it is, it's a different, it's a different animal when you're making that much. And when you have achieved that much, just like, um, like going back into, into like a fitness journey or a fat loss journey, it's a whole different beast when you've actually got that body. Like Camry, you can, you can attest it's You have to do things a lot different now than you were before to maintain the body that you have built. And you just have to ask yourself, are you okay with that when you're there? And if you if you don't, like, it is very easy to just go back to doing what you were doing before and have the body you had before. You can do that. You can make that choice. You know, you can do that. But if you appreciate and value what you have grown, it, it does take different work. You do have different set of problems, even just from, from that standpoint. And same with your horses, you know. you like I was talking to Camry yesterday. I've been super sick the last week. Um, and because of that, I haven't been able to condition Sandy as much as I've wanted. Um, and I've been really frustrated with that because, you know, I'm like, I've got these expectations. I want to make sure that she is at the perfect level going into this, um, endurance ride. And it was really stressing me out. <laughs> Still, kind of is, I'm not going to lie, but I'm like, I told camera, I think this was probably yesterday. I'm like, I guess I just really like more fully understand what a true partnership with my horse is because now like my horse isn't getting what she really needs because I didn't take care of my body, you know, and I am sick 100% because I ignored a lot of things that my body was telling me for about two months, you know, and it finally just hit that point of like, okay, you, you gotta be done. You know, you It it made it. So I had to do the rest that it had been telling me for two months it needed. And because I ignored my body and didn't listen to my body, now my horse isn't getting what she needs. And it's really put it into perspective for me. (laughs) Like, okay, like it is a partnership. I can't not have her conditioned where she needs to be conditioned. And I've got to figure out how to make it work. Um, but at the same time, with how sick I am and with my 50 mile race coming up this weekend, I also can't push my body to a point where I make it worse too. So it's been an interesting balance this week trying to figure out what to do. And it it has definitely stressed me out, guys, <laughs> but it has given me a, a really good perspective on, you know what, I I need to do better about practicing what I preach. I need to take the rest days when my body tells me to take the rest days. And I haven't done that. And so here I am. And now I'm stressed because I'm only going to be able to ride Sandy once this week before I go to my 50 mile race. And I'm stressed because I'm worried that she might not be in good enough condition for her ride in June, but at the same time, it is what it is and I'm learning from it.
0: Yeah. Well, and it is your first year prepping for endurance, you know, and, and learning, what you need to learn through the process and that's you do have to give yourself some grace that when you do new things there's going to be a learning curve you know and you learned firsthand like you said this new perspective of in order to be able to feel well enough to do the conditioning you need with her you have to take care of yourself too and listen to your own body so you need to listen to your horse and their body but you also need to listen to you and yours right (laughs) and that's a lot of responsibility taking care of of her heart rate and her, her conditioning levels, as well as your own, um, and being able to balance those because sometimes your horse does get sick or lame, or you get sick or, or, or injured and, and things happen. And sometimes it's okay that things don't go according to plan, but a lot of times you still can find ways to make it work. Even if it, you're like, oh crap, I didn't realize this and this happened, well, odds are you'll most likely be able to still get Sandy ready in time um, yeah. just because of the the way that you've prepped her with having the track system and then um, just her overall fitness level her starting fitness level this spring so I mean there's been some prep that you've already been doing um, so I think that's great yeah no 100 it's been it's been
1: a really interesting experience doing this um Something I've really appreciated because it really has just given me a whole other level of respect for my horse, um, but also just a whole other level of partnership with my horse where I really do feel like Sandy too has changed quite a bit since we've started prep where I truly just feel like we are a partnership and she's recognizing that too. She's recognizing the care that I am taking in what I'm doing. She's recognizing that in me and she is showing up in a different way which has been really amazing to see and to participate in. And it really has opened my eyes so much more to, oh my gosh, I need to be treating myself. Like I would treat her, right? Like if she was as sick as I was this week, there's no way you know that I would be working her or stressing about working her. It would be like, girl, we're just gonna do whatever we need to, to get you feeling good. Um give you all the rest and then by golly coming back into it I'd be like really hyper vigilant like how are you feeling how are you feeling but for me I'm like well I'm going into my 50 mile race like I hope I feel okay you know this week and and granted there's nothing I can do about that like there I can't not go to this 50 mile race. It's just gonna happen. But I have had to really take a different look at me being sick. Normally when I get sick, I'm just like oh my body will take care of it. I'll just lay down. I'll just, you know, do what I can most of the time. I'll still work. This one's hit me so hard. And because it's so close to the 50 mile race, I've been more like, okay, what do I need to do right now? So my body can heal faster. What medications do I need to take? What, what teas do I need to drink? Like I have been way more conscientious too about you know what? No, my, my brain needs as much of a rest as my body does too. And being able to allow myself to take a little bit more time off of some things at work. Like obviously I can't take days off of work, but being able to allow myself to let things slow down this week and focus on that as well, because oftentimes I don't let my brain rest with my body if my body's resting, my brain's got to be doing something. And this week I've, I've done that a little bit differently and it's hard, like coming back into, to working the last couple of days, I feel like a failure. (laughs) I feel like, oh my gosh, I have not made any steps forward. There's deadlines I need to meet and I'm not even close to meeting them. And there's, there's other things that popped up and yeah, it's hard, but at the same time, I need to put me first because if I don't put me first, everything else falls. Like if I was sicker than I was, my whole business would fall apart. Right. Like, and then, and then there's no way I could do the conditioning with my horse and there's no way I could do the 50 and, and my relationship would, would take a hit too, because I wouldn't be able to show up for my husband the way that I need to show up. But you've got to take care of yourself first and definitely this week I've, I've kind of got that hit in the head of like hey you tell your clients to do this all the time now you need to listen to <laughs> to your body too
0: right well and uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna challenge you here Michaela because you just said that you you can't not miss or you can't miss this 50-miler right <laughs> like you can't not go and I'm like well, actually, Michaela, <laughs> remember <laughs> this ownership thing we're talking about? <laughs> remember the whole like fact you were, that we're talking about choosing? <laughs> well, no, but you did, though. It's just a yeah. way of rephrasing it to yeah. give yourself that ownership of it because you are choosing to still go to this race. And by choosing that, that's what is shaping what you're doing right now. That's why you are taking the vitamins that you need. You're taking the rest that you need because you made that choice, right? So it is like you still made the choice, right? but just the way we phrase it to ourselves of like i can't do this or i can't do that it's like actually i could i'm just choosing not to you know like i'm i'm making this choice and so i think that's great that you you are doing what it takes to follow through with the choice that you made you know that was your choice and and you're making sure that you can follow through with it so
1: yeah. Awesome. hundred <laughs> percent Good reason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> call you out,
1: Michaela. Don't worry, I do it too. <laughs> no, it's good because honestly, I can pick up so much with other people. And um I have one client who lives close to me. So we'll go to the gym together sometimes. And it's funny because um there'll be times I'm like, look, call me out if my form's bad, please. And she just looks at me like, Yeah, right, Michaela, like I would never call you out. And it's just like, but no, I I very rarely have people be able to do the same things for me. That's why I, I join mentorships and I, and I do different things. So I do appreciate like being called out and be like, Oh yeah, you're right. I need to reframe that. <laughs> like Cause it is a choice. I, I could call up and say, Hey, I, I can't come, but you know what? If I did that, I would regret it for forever. I would, I would be so disappointed in myself. I, there's just, yeah, it just, it's not worth it to me to, to even make that an option, you know, like I've chosen not to make it an option not to go. So
0: here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been a great discussion. Yeah. Taking ownership of our choices that we make in our life. So makes for a happier life.
1: Right. Well, (laughs) it does, you know, and really it just comes down to, like you said, taking ownership realizing that this is your life you get to make of it what you want to make of it you know and we've talked we've covered so much ground camry i know (laughs) we've talked (laughs) about jobs and relationships and horses and fitness (laughs) but really in all of that you really do get to choose where you want to be you really really do
0: yeah so go out and make good choices guys (laughs) make the best choices for you (laughs) yeah yeah well and before
1: we sign off because there was just one thing that just keeps popping up in my brain so I'm gonna say it and then we can be done but um it's going way back into what we were talking about like ultimatums and relationships and different things and I really liked your reframe of like it's not necessarily giving them an ultimatum as much as it's saying like this is my boundary and and I choose to leave if, if you cross this boundary. And, um, sometimes when I've talked to like some family members about how I frame that or how I, how I've had that in my brain, I do get that pushback of like, but that's not really a healthy relationship. then is it, and it's like, but why isn't it? You know, why do we feel like relationships have no boundaries? You know, cause is it really a relationship then, you know? And, and when, um, when I've done that, like, like Camry said, it's, you know, it's, it's big stuff like (laughs) that, that would have to happen for me to choose to, to leave. But at the same time, um, being able to phrase that with my husband and, and it's not like, oh my gosh, like you forgot to, to put the toilet seat down. So now I'm just gonna leave. No, it's, it's, it's big things. And it actually has given us a lot of solidarity in our relationship because he's no longer walking on eggshells. You know, before it was like when we were first in the midst of all the mixed faith crap, it was walking on eggshells all the time for both of us. We had no idea where we were headed. We, he didn't know if he'd come home and I would just pack the car and be gone. Like that was one of his biggest fears. And when I finally sat down and said, okay, I'm willing to like work through all of this and and go down this road with you. But here's, here's the things that I, I just can't, if this happens, like, I, I can't do this. All of a sudden, like, he has no fear of me just leaving, right? He's not walking on eggshells because he, he gets it. Like, he's like, okay, like, I'm not going to cross those boundaries. I respect you for that. And we're able to actually move forward and work things through. And that's, that's one big, powerful thing where we have learned that we can talk about anything. You know, as long as we communicate, we can talk through and talk about anything. Um, And it's been really, really helpful. So just just something to kind of think about is boundaries actually help both of you. It, You know, he doesn't feel like he's stuck in a box. It's like, no, he he gets where my lines are. And it actually gives him a lot of freedom and a lot more relaxation because he doesn't feel like if he leaves the toilet seat up that it's going to all blow up right because he knows I don't care about that (laughs) he's like whatever um yeah so it's it's for both parties you know
0: yeah yeah boundaries can give like you said (laughs) give each other the freedom to be ourselves and be our own person but also be able to respect the other person's values and wishes You know, and I think there is a balance to it. I think if you have too many boundaries, like if, like you said, if you, you have a boundary about every single thing that, well, if you leave the toilet seat up, then I'm going to leave. That's too many. Okay. That does not give your, your partner any freedom to be themselves. Right. You're being a dictator more Mm -hmm. so than a partner. So I do think there is a balance there with boundaries, but when it comes to the really important stuff, the deal breaker type stuff absolutely you should be able to communicate boundaries with your friends your partner your you know anyone in your life of you know I I do not tolerate this in in a friendship or in a in a marriage Um, Mm -hmm. and that that is healthy and that is good and it makes it so that there's so much more clarity between the two of you of of what you value and what what and is not okay so I think boundaries are a very good thing.
1: Yeah. Well, and to give a little, even a little bit more context there, because I feel like we have left it open to be like, well, what the heck? Like what, you know, what boundaries (laughs) are you setting here? My boundaries are always going to go along with my values, with everything. So um, sit down and figure out like, what do you value? What are your values? For me, it's honesty, communication it's being able, you know, like those two kind of go together as far as like honesty and communication, it's feeling safe. Um, and a couple of other things, but like, you know, those are my values, right? So my boundaries go along with my values of, okay, if you lie to me, that that's a big boundary that, you know, especially for my, my relationship with my husband, that would be really hard for me to handle if he lied to me. Um, because that's one of my values is honesty, right? So my boundaries go like, okay, if you are going directly against my values, that's when we have a problem. So my husband and I have sat down and we've created values for our relationship and for how we want our family to look like. So that's where the boundaries are at, right? So it's like it's not like it's all on him. If I do the same things, he's he's out too, you know? So I just that that's where. Our direction goes as far as the boundaries we take, and and it is a it's a double thing, you know. It's not like it's just me dictating, like if you do this, I'm out. It's it's no, if either of us lie to each other in a big way, you know, like like a big way, (laughs) we both be done, right? If we both stopped communicating, we couldn't have a relationship, you know, because then it would lead to a lot of other things. If we um. If we both just change, like one of our values is actually being active, right? Cause that's where he and I connect a lot is in hiking and, and riding and doing all things like outside and active. That is a big thing for us. And it always has been in our relationship. So that is one of our values. And if, if one of us all of a sudden just stopped being active, you know, for no reason for just, just life choices, that would be a really hard thing for our relationship, right? Now, is that necessarily like a boundary of like, oh my gosh, if you if you don't, you know, get so many steps? No, but it's like it's it's a compounding thing, right? So I think I hopefully that that helps give some context
0: around the boundaries we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it does create more more happiness <clears throat> in a relationship, I think. Um, to be able to have that clarity between the two of you, and and to really have those discussions about your values, right, and yeah. and the things that that matter to us, um, and that's our values are what help us make those choices every day of of where we choose to be, what we choose to do, who we choose to be around. You know that all is based off of who we are in our core, what our values are. So yeah, having having a partner that knows what all of your values are is, is awesome. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and it's one thing, like I really, I challenge everyone listening now to sit down with your partner or with yourself if you don't have a partner and figure those out. Because sometimes I feel like we let other people or other organizations or whatever say, oh, well, these are your values, you know? And so we just go along with it. And that, that was one thing, you know, getting dumped into a mixed faith marriage, all of a sudden it was like, well, these values that we've been taught by, by this church organization, will you no longer believe in, you know, (laughs) like that's what really made us sit down and be like, okay, we need to find common ground again, because we had both just gone with the flow of, well, because we're part of this organization, this means that these are our values. And we really had to redefine that and go, okay, are these our values? Do we still believe these or not? And it was really, really powerful in helping us Move forward. So, if you're feeling like you have some disconnect there, I I really would. I mean, even if you don't have disconnect, it's such a powerful learning tool for you and your partner to sit down and, and really define that with each other. You might find some interesting things out to, you know, where you're like, oh, that's a value of yours, you know? Like, let's, let's <laughs> talk more about that. It's, it's a really powerful thing to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we've done that as a family too. And we've got our top four on our wall. So always a reminder for us of what we, we value as a family together. So, I love that. well, should we wrap it up? Yes, ma'am. We should. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And as always, if you like it, uh, give us a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, any of the places that you listen. Reviews would be great.
1: Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.